On this episode of the London Lyceum, we talk with Dr. Lanny Greer about a theology of the body. So we cover all sorts of topics like what in the world is a theology of the body? What are some various views on offer? People like Pope John Paul II, Luke Timothy Johnson, what do they think? What do most Christians think about the body? What does the Bible think about the body? What are various views like monism and dualism and why are they relevant to this? What is body image? What are some challenges to our body image? What is the body image framework and how should pastors teach their congregations about body image and so much more? As always, if you have thoughts about the episode or ideas or requests for the show in general, hit us up on Twitter or Facebook or check us out at our website, thelondonlyceum.com. Now for the only analytic, Baptist, and confessional podcast on the planet, we think this one's going to get you thinking. Well, I'd like to welcome all of our listeners to another episode of the London Lyceum. I am one of your hosts, Jordan Stefaniak, and I am joined by the much more famous, though not as good-looking, Jacob Denhollander today as a co-host. And we are a podcast that's dedicated to serious thinking for a serious church. So if you don't know about us, let me give you the short little elevator pitch of what we mean by serious thinking. We mean both a rigorous, analytical, precision sort of sort of mode of thinking about about subjects particularly theological and philosophical but we mean that in a way that is couched with christian virtue things like charity curiosity critical thinking and cheerful confessionalism so we've got these four c's that we try to promote encourage remind ourselves of remind our listeners of and say look the only there's not just one option to be a critical thinker if you want to be a serious thinker you don't have to be a total jerk you don't have to be over the top abrasive you can actually be be kind and loving and gentle and yet still be careful about those sort of arguments so that's what we're trying to do here with the london lyceum expose people to new arguments and ideas and do it with a flavor uh, of grace and today i'm really excited to introduce you all to dr laney greer uh, not related to jd greer if if you're wondering um, and I am thrilled to talk about the, the subject of bo- the body, the theology of the body, body image, and things related to it. She wrote her dissertation on this, so she's spent a lot of time thinking about it. So I think this will be a lot of fun. I'm very interested, and I think it's also going to be very helpful for pastors and others who are serving in local churches, trying to help um, all sorts of people with with questions and issues that relate to this. This isn't a subject that is... Uh, esoteric and that no one experiences. It's something that I think everybody experiences and wrestles with. So this should be a lot of fun. So Lainey, before we get started, give me a little bit short bio of yourself. Uh, you know, what have you been up to the last couple of years? What are you doing now? And then once you've sort of given me that sort of spiel, I want to know what made you say, I want to spend years thinking about this and writing a dissertation on it. Yeah. So, um, well, I am back in my hometown of Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, Excited to be back here after many years away, and uh, right now I am honestly uh, starting a business of sorts, a ministry that combines um, just my background in human embodiment and different areas the Lord has um, grown me through over the years, so body image, which we'll talk about, body stewardship, I have a background in personal training, um, and just really helping the church kind of think biblically and theologically about the body first. And then following those extensions out, whether it's, um, you know, guarding against ministry burnout or helping, um, you know, others think about their body in a way that honors the Lord. Um, So, yeah, so doing some speaking, some writing. um, And honestly, to answer your second question, I never uh, 
thought, you know, years and years ago, oh, I'm going to get a PhD one day. Uh, the Lord just really pieced that together. Um, I have a, my bachelor's is in exercise science. And so I always loved working out and I love theology, but I didn't know of anything that combined those, those two passions of mine. And, um, just, I worked in ministry for a while, was able to get, um, my master's in Christian leadership, uh, which was really helpful. Um, and then I had people saying, Hey, you should go get a PhD. And I, I was like, why, what am I, what am I going to do with this? Um, but came across, uh, yeah, Dr. Allison's work in the theology of human embodiment at Southern and recognized, Hey, this, this combines my two favorite things of systematic theology and, you know, taking care of the body and, and why. So yeah, the Lord's just pieced together those, those, uh, puzzle pieces over the years. And here we are. Sweet. So tell me, well, I guess first off, I should probably put this in the podcast so that everybody will always know and hear about it. Back in Knoxville, right when Tennessee <laughs> finally dethrones Alabama <laughs> after 15 long, long right? suffering right? years. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, what yeah. a great time to be in Knoxville. Now, yeah. okay, ba- back to, to, <laughs> to the topic of the podcast. I just wanted everybody to enjoy that. All the Alabama fans like Jake Stone. <laughs> Have yep. to just revel in the fact that Alabama lost, which is a lot of fun. So start here. I, I wanna I like I like taking Brandon's role sometimes when he's not here. So Brandon is famous for asking basic definitions. So I'm gonna do that this time. I wanted to have a basic definition. When we talk about the theology of the body, what is it that we mean? Is that like a huge category? I mean, theology of the body seems like a really big category. Or are there like sub-disciplines? Or how should we think about that? And I know your dissertation is essentially trying to work out various principles for thinking about the theology of the body from 1 Corinthians 6. So you're welcome to, to answer this however you want or however you think is best explained. Yeah, I mean, so basically you're just going to... Um, look at scripture, we're going to observe what the Bible has to say about the body and then categorize it in different ways. Um, it's going to, you know, impact things like obviously creation, um, sin, sanctification, glorification. Um, but an aspect of that is being mindful of embodiment or embodied reality, um, which is, you know, basically just understanding that who we are, we're, we're constituted as, you know, a unified being that's both um, distinctly immaterial, um, and material. Um, so we're the proper state of human existence as, as Dr. Greg Allison says is embodiment. Um, so we're created embodied, we're disembodied for a time in the intermediate state, um, but then re-embodied for eternity. So it's our natural state of being. Very cool. And I also noticed one thing that was unique in your dissertation. Well, not unique. Dissertations do this. But you walked through some various views uh, that I really appreciated sort of like thinking through, like how do different people categorize theologies of the body? You've got Pope John Paul II here, which clearly if you have a Catholic, you've probably swam the Tiber. Uh, That's an inside joke for those of you who are nerds that listen to our podcast and are sort of in our niche. Uh, Luke Timothy Johnson, Greg Allison. So maybe cash out some ways in which uh, they differ and the ways that they're similar when they think about uh, the body. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, and let me just back up and say, like, a theology of the body is extremely important, um, but especially in our culture today, um, 
you know, as Christians, we believe in a God of created and resurrected bodies, became embodied to bodily atone, um, the Holy Spirit, and dwells us bodily. Um, so as Christians, we need to pay attention to a theology of the body, but specifically now, because, you know, gosh, we're in a time of extreme cultural messages. Um, we're totally anti-body in one sense. The culture is as far as, you know, physical realities are malleable, um, you know, forget about physical health. All that matters is your mind and mental health. Um, that disembodied living doesn't work. But then on the other end, the other extreme would be we're obsessed with the body, um, from, you know, pornography, different social media things and filters, plastic surgeries, diet industry. Um, so Christians need to be able to articulate a biblical worldview when it comes to our, our physical existence. Um, so yeah, so the second part of that, there are a lot of differing views um, on the body and how to kind of define a theology of the body. Um, different starting points and emphasis kind of, I think it communicates, you know, there's, there's maybe not one right way to go about it. But it first kind of came about with um, Pope John Paul II. Uh, he did some lectures in the late 70s into the 80s. Um, it was a massive work, but he kind of goes about looking at the body from, um, you know, the doctrine of God. So, so how the triune God shares his love with humanity. Um, and it's through the body that we experience his love. Um, he looks at three teachings of Christ, kind of highlighting man's origin um, and then, you know, in creation, our history, uh, in terms of our sinful nature that affects all humans, and then our destiny of a perfected, resurrected body. Um, so he kind of set the stage. Then there's a few others. Luke Timothy Johnson, um, he, uh, his work was revelatory body. His is, is interesting. Um, it looks at physical existence as kind of the form of the Holy Spirit's expression, um, and so he highlights, you know, various aspects of theology that, um, manifest in the body and kind of sees the body as a conduit of divine revelation, um, because it's the primary location for God's activity through the spirit. So, so certainly some things that we may take from, uh, Pope John Paul and from Luke Timothy Johnson, but, but obvious points of disagreement arise as well. If you look in their works, um, Dr. Allison you know, my, he was my advisor at Southern. I'm biased, um, but from an evangelical perspective, um, I think what he does is the most helpful. Uh, he just kind of systematizes how scripture addresses the body and then how those things intersect with our embodied lives. Um, so he looks at the body from creations like, or from categories like creation and gender, suffering, death, future, um, and then I especially like what he does because he brings in some very helpful points of application at the end of each chapter just to help us, you know, start thinking more thoroughly um, about how theology of the body intersects with our daily lives. Um, and then mine, mine had a different approach, but I don't know if you want me to address that now or wait on that question. I mean, you can go ahead and go. Unless Jacob, <laughs> you, you look like you have a question. So yeah. you go ahead and ask. Well, what I, what I was just wondering is, um, it, from your from your experience and your perspective, um, do most Christians have a theology about the body, or is it just kind of ad hoc, put together from the cultural messages that we have, and maybe sometimes sprinkled with a little bit of theological terms? Um, do you think that there's a, um, a overwhelming Christian view of the body, a dominant? 
Christian view of the body or or would you say that um, we've just kind of taken on uh, what's what's given to us by our culture around us? And then the second part of that question would be, you know, what's the what's the right view and how would that how would that help us think of the cultural through the cultural messages that we keep receiving? Yeah, Um, I think that's a huge question. Can I can I put that aside and tell you about my method for theology of the body? Yeah. Come back to that. Okay, let me do that first. Um, So just because, you know, my theology of the body differs um, as far as how I went about it. And I think it's important to point out because I think it's what Paul what Paul does in First Corinthians six is hugely important for today and um, in defining body image. But so I, I started from, um, you know, the doctrine of God, I highlight Trinitarian involvement with the body. It's kind of what I see Paul doing in first Corinthians six, 12 through 20. Um, so he's combating this, you know, licentious antibody Corinthians that were engaging in all kinds of sexual immorality uh, because they didn't think the body mattered. And so he makes kind of seven definitive statements about the body in those verses, and then he grounds the body's importance in the Godhead. Um, so I use, you know, I use the doctrine of appropriations to walk through how Paul argues for the body's value and God's authority over it, because um, he really he's validating physical existence in the ways that Father, Son, and Spirit are involved with the body. Um, and so, you know, while each person inseparably um, operates in all the divine works, he's, Paul specifically mentions resurrection, redemption, and indwelling there to say to the Corinthians that, hey, the body matters. Um, so that's kind of how I tackled it. But your question there of what do most Christians think about the body? Um, you know, I, I think the reality is there's two extremes. Um, so either we don't think about the body at all, um, or we're obsessed with it. And there's different reasons for um, why we don't think about it or are obsessed. So I think most Christians honestly don't consider the body. Um, if we do, we see it primarily as a hindrance or a burden, an obstacle, uh, you know, something we have to overcome to grow in holiness. Um, and for the most part, we don't really think about it until we get sick or we get injured, and then we just kind of begrudge our our bodies. Um, so that's very much influenced by Gnosticism. You know, we're still very neo-Gnostic in a lot of ways, just thinking material is bad, the body is the, you know, realm of evil, in a sense. Um, but in a lot of ways, too, we function as ascetics, still thinking that we need to bridle the body to advance the soul and holiness. Um I think what, what also, you know, hinders our view of the body is that there's a misunderstanding of sarks and how Paul uses it in the New Testament. Um, and, you know, yes, it is sinful nature, um, but he, he also uses sarks in ways that is not just speaking of sinful nature, is not just negative. Um, he uses sarks to talk about both mind and body in Ephesians 2. It's not just the body. Um Second Corinthians four, he uses sarks to say, well, first he says we manifest Christ's life uh, in our soma, in our bodies, but then he repeats himself and says we manifest the life of Christ in our sarks. Um, so it's not just this negative, you know, the body is the place of evil kind of usage of sarks that I think uh, people have. Um, then too, you know, we have to recognize Paul was 
pretty, he was very pro-body. Um, he uses the body as a metaphor in different doctrinal themes, uh, mentions the body over 90 times in his, in his letters. And over a third of those were actually to the Corinthian church because they were the most anti-body, um, you know, of all the believers that he addressed. Um, so, you know, we can't just pull Sarks out, out of context or say one verse and, and say, well, Paul said the body didn't matter because look at how he said it was, you know, uh, body of death. Look at how he talks about it. Um, there's a couple other things that I think go into Christians not really thinking about the body accurately. Um, for me, you know, I grew up in church, but I didn't have a right understanding of, of heaven. So we just misunderstand eschatological realities of, you know, I, I'm not just, I'm not just in heaven floating around, you know, this ethereal spirit or whatever, but no, I'll be resurrected, re-embodied, uh, in the new heavens and new earth, um, with a body, you know, gloriously transformed like Christ. Uh, I think just one more <laughs> to throw out. There's so many reasons I think we're, we're anti-body still. Um, but perhaps my favorite one is First uh, Timothy 4, 8. You know, physical training, bodily training is only of some value. I've When I've talked and done different things, I think that verse has come up the most. It's kind of like a weapon to wield against what I'm saying. Um but but Paul is he's earlier in the chapter he's combating these silly myths these godless um, you know things that were being said that come from an ascetic mindset about the body you know you can't don't marry don't enjoy good food these things are bad um, and when he makes the comment about godliness has value in all things um, he doesn't have to include bodily exercise being he he doesn't have to make that statement. Um, what he says about godliness is clear, but I think he he makes a statement that physical training is of some value because he knows that Timothy is in a context where he's dealing with false false teachers who are dismissing you know physicality. Um, so anyway, that's that's at one end of the spectrum. There's a lot there, but then the other end of the spectrum is we're obsessed with the body. Um, so I think that's more of my um, background. Just you know, I was anorexic for a time, over exercised. We're obsessed with working out, counting calories, dieting, um, you know, getting the perfect picture on social media, using tons of filters to change our appearance. Um, so we end up harming the body in the pursuit of this perfected, you know, idealized body. Um, so, yeah, that's <laughs> to answer your question, Jacob, I guess that's that's what I'd say. It, it almost it almost strikes me, though, that those two extremes stem from the same um viewpoint that we're just you know um persons inhabiting a body uh because even even the obsession with the body is almost as if the body's an accessory almost as if the body is something that we um can manipulate or um yeah it's 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 on the same lines as a gucci handbag almost people have that that attitude yeah, I, th I think so. And, and I think that, you know, is partly because we don't understand embodied reality. Um, but, you know, if you look at Genesis, we are created as God's embodied image bearers. Um, you know, the creation commands that are given, they can only be carried out through the body. Um, our, our, who we are as embodied beings, we're part of God's physical world he created that we are to steward. Um, so, so you know, Genesis, a, a creation view of the body is essential. 
Um, but then, you know, there are different ways, like we can look at how sin impacts us as embodied beings. Um, you know, Adam and Eve weren't to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, because if they did, they would surely die. Um, well, there's spiritual death and obviously physical death that occurred from that uh, because we're embodied beings. Um, I think one thing, too, that Christians need to think more deeply about is the doctrine of providence and how that, um, you know, providence is necessarily intertwined with the body. Um, you've got David, Psalm 139. Obviously, he's praising the Lord for the intricacies of his body there. But he's, he talks about how God forms two things. He forms his body, but then he also forms the days that were created for him to live out. And that's as an embodied being. Um, you know, Acts 17, we're created for a relationship with God. He doesn't need us, but he, he wants a relationship with us, puts us in the exact time and place he wants us to live um, in order to come to know him. And that happens, you know, via our, our physical existence. Um, so there's just a lot of things, obviously sanctification, you know, our body's involved in that. Um, use the members of our body as instruments of righteousness. Uh, First Tim, or First Thessalonians 4, it's God's will that we control our body in holiness and honor. Um, and then glorification, you know, we're going to have a resurrected body, experience the full. Um, Romans 8, Paul talks about we're, like creation, we're groaning, waiting for um our full experience of adoption, the resurrection of our bodies, or redemption of our bodies. Um, so yeah, I mean, while while I don't think you know believers need to be able to talk about trinitarian involvement with a body, um, we do need, like I mentioned, a, a creation, a biblical creation view of our body that counteracts what's happening in our culture. Because it addresses so many things. You know, yes, it speaks to the fact that, you know, you aren't just in this body temporarily. Um, but we have dignity as embodied image bearers. Um, we have moral and ethical standards as embodied beings made in God's image. There are fixed gender realities. Um, we see the parameters, the purpose of marriage, the natural instinct to protect children, um, Anyway, all that just comes from having a, a biblical view of the body that's more than just, oh, this is just the shell that I'm in until heaven. Yeah, that's helpful. The, the platonic prison house of the soul sort of idea. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, you make the point about not everybody has to have some robust Trinitarian account of the body. But I think um, if you went to Jacob's church, they probably do. I mean, he's got old ladies who are coming to him, talking to him about reading Herman Bovink. So... <laughs> Uh, we, may we all That's strive awesome. to have church members, uh, the, the old ladies in the congregation who are reading Herman Bovink as if that's that's a low tier, low level, the bottom shelf. That's awesome. Um, so I encourage your congregations to, to reach such a love for uh, God and His Word. Now, I, I am curious, Lainey, so we, we've been dancing around this subject a little bit, um, sort of assuming some different, I guess, metaphysical pictures of how the human person is made up. Uh, you know, you've made references to terms like immaterial, material, uh, sort of soul, body sort of stuff. And you've got sections on uh, what you call monism and dualism. And I just want to have you cash out those. Uh, what what do those mean? Where do you ultimately land? Are you somewhere in the middle? Or are you somewhere closer to one or the other? And once we kind of have that groundwork, you can tell me why it's relevant to think about those things if we want to have a good theology of the body. 
Yeah. Um, so essentially, monism, dualism, you know, differing takes on human constitution. So are we made up of, of one or two parts, essentially? Um, when it comes to monists, you know, different variations in both of these areas, but essentially we're only body, we're just material beings, you know, clearly we, we are physical. Um, so there's a denial of spiritual experiences, you know, any, any kind of emotional uh, life that's just a owing to biological processes, things happening in the brain. Um, so there's essentially a denial of spiritual realities. You're going to deny resurrection um, because, you know, we die physically. Um, you know, and ultimately a denial of God. And, and so you see, like, a lot of atheists are generally materialists, um, monists. Um, and then dualism, okay, so, you know, made up of two parts. There's immaterial and material but there's no interaction typically is kind of the, the take on that, um, which often slides into kind of this hierarchical, um, you know, one over the other. So one's more important. And so it becomes relevant for theology of the body because typically it's, it's immaterial over material or soul over body kind of happens with the dualistic view. Uh, so you see that um, from, you know, you just mentioned Plato, you see that Gnosticism, uh, the Corinthian believers were highly influenced by this soul over body view. Um, so, you know, where I land would be, um, you know, definitely lean on John Cooper's uh, book, Body, Soul, Life Everlasting. He talks about this holistic dualism view that um, he he really is helpful because he shows how the Old Testament highlights more of who we are as humans um, from a holistic perspective. Um you know, he, Hebrew, um, kind of the Jewish literature would talk more about who we are as a unified being. Um, so if you, if you look throughout wisdom literature, you see that a good bit. Um, but then the new Testament, there's a more of a dualistic focus because of resurrection. Um, because, you know, soul and body do have to come apart for a time, but we'll be re-embodied. Um, you know, the Bible certainly portrays us as psychosomatic beings, so mind, body, beings, uh, they interact with each other. Um, again, wisdom literature, you see this a lot. Uh, my favorite verse, which, which was helpful for me because I, I'm a, I can be a stressful person sometimes, but Ecclesiastes 11, uh, Solomon talks about banish, banishing anxiety from your heart and casting off trouble from your bones. Um, so just this clear interaction there, you know, John, in, in uh, Third John, he writes to Gaius, praying that he's in good health as it goes well with his soul. Um, so we see this, you know, this interaction between, um, you know, our two parts, and that's an essential aspect of embodiment. So I want to know, uh, zero in sort of on the body image sort of aspect of our theology of the body. I would probably guess that I've heard like, uh, a decent amount in various churches about a thin concept of body image. And when I say thin, I mean uh, not related to, to actual weight, but just to like, there's just not a lot to it. It's sort of like just, hey, have a good body image. Okay, move on. There's not a lot of theological freight behind it. So maybe give me, I mean, you talk about this body image framework. So I don't know if you want to start with that your own framework or if you want to sort of walk through how people have talked about body image in the past and how that might contrast with with your own framework 
Um, cause I think once we sort of get that in place, it will make more sense to why we should think about this as churches. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think the first place to start is just what is body image, um, you know, and negative body image. Um, so essentially just body image is a, a visualization of your physical appearance that may or may not reflect reality. Uh, so it's the subjective mental picture. Um, that can affect your thoughts, your feelings, your actions, um, typically involves some kind of evaluation or judgment on your body. Uh, it's definitely not just a teenage girl issue, um, because we form and reform our thoughts about the body throughout different stages of life. And it, it really starts around two years of age. Um, but if you think about various life stages, things we go through physically, those impact men and women in a variety of ways and often lead to a negative body image. So, you know, you think about, you know, going through puberty, especially if, if you experience off-time puberty. You know, if your body starts changing before everyone else or after everyone else, there's definitely, you know, negative body image that's going to uh, arise from that. Pressure, you know, when you play sports from your peers, your parents in middle and high school to be a certain body type. Um wanting to be attractive, having a child. Uh, for men, you know, metabolism starts slowing down in women too, but um, men, especially late 30s into your 40s, so that's when the dad bod, you know, kind of can happen sometimes. Um, then menopause for women. Um, and then just a general, like, age-related deterioration that can happen. Um, you know, so maybe as a man, maybe you've never you know, thought negatively about your body before, but all of a sudden, you know, the functional abilities that you used to have that weren't an issue for you, maybe they start, um, you start having trouble doing different things that, um, and having limitations where you, you didn't before. So, um, while a lot of people would say, well, it's just a female issue. Research shows that it's not just limited to women. Men are under-researched first of all, but then they're, they aren't as forthcoming about their body image issues. Um, so yeah, so for most negative body image is clearly the more common experience. Social media, um, has a huge, um, you know, impact on negative body image. And, and this is certainly something that I think in, in the church, when you're ministering to others, just recognizing that, you know, maybe, maybe you're a little older and, and you're not on social media as much, um, but you're dealing with, with younger people who are and, and social media, you're constantly exposed to comparison culture, you know, so how does, how does my clothing, my hair, what about my car, my kids, my house, how does that compare? But especially how do I look, how does my body compare to others? And so many people, you know, we, we follow people, um, for different reasons, but so much of that is driven by how they look. Um, and so there's just a constant temptation to compare yourself to another. That's going to drive negative body image. Um, that can lead to, you know, adverse emotions and then eventually self-harming behaviors. You know, if you don't like your body and you want to change it, um, you may, you may starve yourself to achieve the right body. You may overexercise. Um, so it, it is an important aspect of the Christian life that's often overlooked. Um, and I, you know, like I said before, if, if God created us as embodied beings, he became embodied to redeem us, bodily indwells us, then the body is important to him. And so that means how we think about our body matters, how those thoughts make us feel about our body matters, and then how those feelings lead us to treat our body or act, that also matters. Um, 
so my framework uh, to, to get into that, yeah, it, so I, I created this theology of the body from 1 Corinthians 6, 12 through 20, and then the body image framework kind of plays off of that. Um, so you have to recognize like what Paul is doing there. Obviously, Corinthians were dealing with a ton of different issues, um, their misunderstanding of Christian freedom, but it led them to do whatever they wanted with their bodies. Um, so I think it's, it's how Paul counteracts this mindset that's important. So he affirms the value of the body and God's authority over it, like I said earlier, by describing how uh, the triune God is involved with our physical existence. Um, so he's really, he's not just saying, hey, don't do this, like don't use your body in these ways. He's getting at the mindset of the Corinthians that was driving their behavior. And that's where I connect it to body image. So his goal is to kind of correct their misconception of the body that was leading to behaviors that weren't honoring the Lord, that weren't glorifying God in the body. Um, because the way we think about our bodies is going to drive, you know, our actions, behaviors. Uh, so that's, that's where I start. Um, so, you know, instead of subjective societal standards that inform body image, we need objective truths from scripture um, and base what we think about our bodies on what God has to say about our bodies. Um, and then, you know, the last piece I would say to this too, is just recognizing that as a believer, we have the ability to honor God in the way that we think about our bodies because mind directs body image. Uh, so we have the mind of the spirit. We can take our thoughts captive, make them obedient to Christ. And, you know, we can do what Paul says in Philippians 4, 8, think things that are only true, noble, right, and pure. So obviously negative body image, those aren't, those aren't thoughts that are true, noble, right, and pure. Um, so just recognizing as believers, we can honor God in this area. So Lainey, one question that I wanted to ask you is, um, you know, I've got three um, young girls and a son and, um, as you know, you know, most, a lot of our ideas are caught rather than taught, especially at that age. What are some things that parents and by extension pastors can be doing to model positive um, body image in their communities? Um, not only just um, assertions that we could be making to our children, but ways that we can be responding to negative body images that we're receiving from our culture, ways that we can embody those realities in our own lives so that we can be um, helping our children and those who are in our care to be thinking through these things. Yeah. So one, you know, I think it's first having a proper conception of, of the body, like we talked about from scripture. Um, but then it's getting, um, getting your people, especially children, you know, teens, if you're leading, getting them to hold to scripture first. And, um, instead of what they're seeing on social media, um, obviously, you know, that's, that's a heart issue. Um, but I think for, for parents, especially of teens, um, seeing trends that your teen may, may be, uh, following after. Um, there's, there are certainly things that social media does that's helpful, but there are many unhelpful things. So it may just be that, you know, monitoring that social media use is a huge way that you can help protect your child. Um, but I think too, you mentioned more things are caught, uh, than taught a lot of times. So even just, you know, how do you talk about food and exercise? What are, what are your behaviors 
that you may not recognize, um, maybe are a little bit unhealthy, but how, what is your child picking up? What the people you're leading in church, um, what's the example you're setting for them in that regard? Um, you know, something for me personally, I, I'm a perfectionist. And so I, while I didn't have social media, um, when I kind of experienced, um, you know, negative body image issues, but then an eating disorder, um, I, I was kind of set on go. I just needed, I just needed something to trigger, um, kind of this going off into an eating disorder. And mine wasn't a pursuit of a perfect body. It was more of just a stressful situation, everything out of control. And I could control that, but it ended up reinforcing a lot of body image things. So as parents, you know, recognizing certain tendencies in your, in your child, um, you know, certainly girls do struggle with it more in, in adolescence. Um, so, so maybe if you can kind of see, well, my daughter has some tendencies that towards perfectionism, that if she's exposed to certain things it may trigger, you know, an issue for her down the road, um, there, there are sports that are associated with negative body image more than others, especially in guys. Um, you know, ones that are very weight driven, like being a wrestler that can create a lot of body image issues. Um, you know, making, making certain weights. And even in guys today, there's, there's a new phenomenon. It's called big orexia. Um, and it's driven by social media, by, you know, accounts, guys that are posting, you know, just super muscular and, you know, younger guys wanting to be that, have that same musculature, um, exercising way too much, taking steroids, being super obsessed, um, and kind of living their life on social media, um, in this, you know, muscle culture, Um, so I, you know, it's recognizing this is an issue. Um, it's something that's not talked about in the church. Um, you know, it, it, as, as, you know, if you're a pastor half, you can assume that half your, half your people are struggling with this, um, as women, um, just in different life stages, but you can also assume that a lot of, a lot of the guys are too, um, for different reasons. So, so first it's putting out that biblical, understanding of the body, um, and starting from there to say, okay, are you honoring the Lord and how you're thinking about your body, how you're treating it, what you're doing? Yeah, that's good. I, I, you know, you mentioned how, I guess it's maybe underreported in men because they don't share it. And I'm like, man, I'm pretty sure men underreport pretty much everything. Uh, So (laughs) at least that's what my wife says. It's accurate. Uh, (laughs) So uh, you've got to imagine that this is a serious issue with a lot of dudes too. Um, And I know it is. So you've mentioned several times here, especially in this last portion about the influence of social media. And it seems like, man, we've got these really two complex topics now kind of like putting themselves together. This technology piece going into feeding into this negative or positive body image culture. I mean, I don't know, like what are the resources that are out there that can help us to think about how to handle all this? Cause I still think some people are, are at the point of like, well, social media is just negative and therefore I'm just going to get off myself, but it doesn't seem like that's going to solve the issue because everybody else is still on social media Um, and that's, I mean, it's not really teaching people how to handle things appropriately in moderation. Um, cause it's most of the people who are like, I'm going to get off social media. They end up coming back in like three weeks or three months and then they're back (laughs) to the same thing again. So it's like, clearly you taking a break did nothing. 
Uh, maybe it cleaned cleaned up. It's like that you know parable that Jesus tells about how the the spirits or whatever they'll they'll come back to the house and see it's clean and they'll bring more with them. Uh, so it's almost like, well, you didn't really replace it with it. Not saying that that's what's happening when people take a break. They're becoming demon-possessed or something. <laughs> but the idea is, like, if you don't, like, actually do something to, like, I don't know, make yourself, like, be able to handle those things more, it's not really going to help. So do you have resources for thinking about this? Because I know this is a serious pastoral concern for a lot of people, and they just don't know how to handle it, and they don't know where to turn. Yeah. Um, well, I, so that's a hard question to, to answer. Um, so I personally do, because this is kind of what my work, um, is I'm, I'm seeking to speak into these areas. Um, so, you know, my, my website, landygreer.com has, has different things I've written on, on different aspects of this. Um, but I think one, one way that we can help, you know, even, well, and I'll say as far as resources, there's not a lot um, in uh, especially biblical counseling that uh, addresses body image, certainly not from an academic standpoint. Um, and when I was doing research for my dissertation, you know, there's so little um, work that's been done on a theology of the body in general compared to, you know, different uh, Christological issues or whatever. But there's there's so much less when it comes to body image, um, even eating disorders. So because we're just anti-body, so we've not even started to consider those things. Um, there are things out there from, you know, um, the secular world that address body image. Um, you know, there's, there's different methods to go about it. There's cognitive behavioral, um, which is about just reforming your thoughts to change your behavior, which is ultimately the goal of scripture and, and growing in our faith, applying scripture. Um, sociocultural model that talks about, you know, how are your influences, what friends, family, media, how are those influencing your body image? So we don't have to use those methods um, because scripture is the ultimate guide for those things, but it's recognizing, okay, you mentioned social media in particular, like, am I, how am I using social media? Is it a tool for me to positively influence others? Um, or, or has it become more of an assessment? Is it driving, um, my negative thoughts about my body, about what I have, what I don't have? Um, am I using it to, um, kind of soothe my emotions. Whereas like I used to turn to exercise, I would over-exercise when I would get upset. Exercise is not bad. Social media is not bad, but it's how am I using that? Um, you know, what's, what's the purpose of me turning to these things and is it honoring to the Lord? Um, so sorry, that got away from your, what are, what are some resources questions? Um, but yeah, there's just, there's not a ton, um, honestly, I, yeah, I had to just push my stuff, but, um, there, there are some resources. Journal of Biblical Counseling has a few things. Um, yeah, but we, we need more work in this area, essentially, is the point. Awesome. I, you are more than welcome to say that there are not a lot of resources <laughs> and that you're trying to do this. So that's an encouragement to everybody listening, that we need more people thinking about this topic and to spend more time thinking about it. Now, Jacob, do you have any other questions that you, burning questions that you definitely wanted to ask? Um. It- you know, so I was just thinking through some of the Christological implications of this, but that might be beyond the scope of uh, our remaining time. Um, but I was I was just reflecting, and I would have I would love to pick Lainey's brain on her understanding of you know the Trinitarian works through in our bodies and Trinitarian work in Christ's body. But 
Um, like I said, it, there's not a lot of work done on this, um, so that's why it's just so important, and I'm so I'm so pleased to see that you're working on this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when when we recognize that, you know, Father, Son, and Spirit are involved with our physical existence in a variety of different ways, um, that shows us that our that our bodies matter. Um, so, you know, like, like Paul's saying to the Corinthians, your body is a temple of the spirits, uh, whom you have from God, you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your bodies. When we can have that mindset towards, you know, our, our physical existence towards our physical frame, then that's, that's the starting point for, for addressing some of these issues and how we think about our bodies and how we, how we treat them. There's a lot more there, like you said, though, but that's, that's my dissertation. So (laughs) now do you have plans to either turn part of your dissertation into a book or to turn them into essays somewhere? Are there any future publishing goals? You're like, I want to write on this, uh, that's related to the topic. Yeah. Um, so I, I did just put out a little mini book, um, with new growth press, uh, be well learning to steward your health that came out in August that hits on a little bit of the biblical theological foundation for the body, but then has practical extensions of like nutrition, exercise, rest, stress management. Um, that, that wasn't a part of my dissertation, but my, I have a, a proposal in that's regarding body image, waiting to hear back from that. Um, working on something, uh, revolving around, faith and fitness certainly won't be called that. Um, but just a, a, you know, a biblical understanding of the fact that we should be stewards of our physical health and what that looks like. And so part of my dissertation will be in that as well. Awesome. Well, I think I have some sort of mental disorder that likes things that start with the first, the same letter. So faith and fitness would be awesome for me. (laughs) Being a Baptist, Jordan. That's right. (laughs) Gotta have that alliteration in there. Uh, awesome. Well, this has been a lot of fun, and I think there's a lot still to uncover. Uh, as we've mentioned, there's all sorts of uh, connections and deep reflection that we need in this area. Uh, Lainey, I thank you Thank you for, number one, taking the time to just do the work on this, to write a dissertation mm-hmm. on it, to continue to think about it, continue to publish on it. Uh, we need more people like you doing that. And also, thank for you. those who are listening, we've got a lot of you. I mean, a lot of you people listening. Um, you're in this stage of like you want to do more research and you don't want to do more thinking. You're just not sure what. Well, maybe give this topic uh, some thought. Um, Laney's mentioned how the Trinitarian relations interact with our embodiment and things. I mean, like that sounds like uh, an awesome topic uh, to to explore, to flesh out. I mean, that's not just one dissertation. That's like 25 plus dissertations that need to be spent thinking about how those things apply to each other to give us this robust picture of both God and ourselves. Uh, so yeah, I, I thank you for doing this. This has been awesome. Everybody, you've been listening. You you, you know Lenny's website. I'm going to link to it in the show notes, so you can just go click it. I'm going to link to this new new growth press book that Lenny mentioned. I'm going to link. Lenny, you're on Twitter, right? I I'm pretty sure I remember this. Yes, yeah, Twitter, okay. Facebook, Instagram. So go to all those things. I don't understand Instagram. I try to. My, I know a lot of the drama that's on Instagram because my wife likes Instagram. So I understand at least that aspect of it, at least in the, the more mamo sphere of the world. So that probably doesn't apply to all. If I go on Instagram, people like I, you know, the transition to all those reels, I just get like a million different trucks. I'm like, why is this? But I, yet I am still drawn to watching this truck go through the mud, watching this truck get stuck in the mud. I'm like, wow, it, 
what does this say about me? Anyway, that's enough about me. So follow Laney's stuff. Go check all that stuff out. Uh, we appreciate your work and what you're doing. And everybody's listening. This is the only analytic Baptist and confessional podcast on the planet. And we'll talk to you guys soon. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.